Good morning. Good morning. It's a tough uh, transition to make right now from that. Uh, my wife said it beautifully this morning, uh, talking about, you know, in Israel, there's, there's 12 tribes, and they're all, they all represent different families and different people, but they represent one kingdom. And uh, that's what the church is. There's churches everywhere, but we believe, especially at this church, that there is the church. And no matter if you belong to this church or another church, we are all part of the church. And it's all about not about, you know, the name of that church or that church down the street. And it's not about any of that, but what it's about is about advancing the kingdom of God. And so that's what we want to do. Um, I'm going to try to hold back the tears right now because I still have a few weeks left with you guys. So until then, uh, I just want to enjoy, enjoy this time we have together. And again, you know, like our numbers aren't changing. We're not going to a different country or anything like that. We are two exits down the freeway, all right? And uh, I know that our relationships are going to just grow, I believe, from taking a step like this. Um, so I praise God and uh, for what he's doing what he's speaking. I believe that he's not speaking just to us, but he's speaking to every single one of you guys. And what I want to focus on today with you this morning briefly is uh, building momentum off of what we experienced last weekend with the baptisms. And Phil talked a lot about it. In fact, we could probably just play that video again and the message is over. Uh, but I want to focus on not the water baptism, because like Phil talked about, the water baptism is just a symbol just a symbol what has already taken place in your heart. And so what I want to focus on is what Scripture talks about in Romans 6. So if you want to turn your word or your phone or follow on the screens, we'll be in Romans 6 where Paul is writing about the first baptism that we experience as believers. And the first baptism is the moment that you decide to ask Jesus to enter your heart. At that moment, you have been baptized. And what Paul's going to talk about is that we have been baptized not as a symbol. You have been baptized into Christ. And so I want to focus on what does that mean this morning to be baptized into Christ. Because it's going to talk about an old life. It's going to talk about a new life. And, and, and then, so that's what, I, that's what I want to dive in with you guys this morning is what does it mean to, 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 to live a new life in regards to our old life? What do we do with that? How does it work? And so that's what, and so that's what we're going to focus on this morning. There's a quote that I want to read to you guys from American pastor and writer Warren Wiersbe. It says this, too many Christians are betweeners. They live between Egypt and Canaan saved but never satisfied or they live between good friday and easter believing in the cross but not entering into the power and glory of the resurrection the believer this is the this is the point here you guys the believer has died to the old self he has been raised to enjoy a new life let's pray dear god First off, I just want to recognize, God, that I am weak, that we are weak, but you are strong. And I thank you that it's not about our weakness, but it's about your greatness, Lord God. And so that's what we want to focus on here this morning is how great you are and that you have the power to transform life, to kill an old life and to birth a new life, God. And so we want to focus on that this morning. We want to grow in that this morning. We want to just, just come to grips with it this morning, Lord God, so that we can own it and walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. So we're going to be starting off in Romans chapter 6, looking at verse 3. 
here Paul's going to write. And, you know, they're dealing with something that we still deal with today. He's writing this letter because there are people that are calling themselves Christians, but yet they're still being heavily influenced by what they're experiencing in the world at that time. And so they're not really looking like what they're talking about. And so that's why he's writing this letter. In Romans chapter, uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 3, it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So he starts off by saying, do you not know that, that if you have been baptized into Christ Jesus, he is saying that that is the moment that you ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. You ask him to uh, live in your heart for the first time. He's saying you have been baptized into Christ Jesus at that moment. And Phil taught us about baptism means you have been emerged in that moment. You have been covered by Jesus. All that Jesus is, all that Jesus represents, you have been immersed and covered by at that moment that you asked him to live and reign inside your heart. And then the first step, though, is this. He says, you've been baptized into Christ Jesus, and you are baptized into his death. That's the first thing, is that when we're baptized into Christ Jesus, you ask him into your heart for the first time, the very first step is that we've been baptized into his death. Jesus died for us on the cross, and we have been baptized into his death. So what does that mean? What does that mean? What's the whole point about being baptized into the death of Jesus? Well, let's look at verse 4, the latter part of verse 4. It says that we've been baptized into the death of Jesus in order that just as Christ was uh, raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that we too might walk in the newness of life. That was the whole point. When we ask Jesus into our heart, we are first baptized into his death. And thank God it, it doesn't stay there. He didn't just want to just forgive us of our sins and stop there. But he wanted to forgive us of our sins, heal us of all of our past wounds, cover all the mistakes that we made, all the guilt, all the shame. And he didn't want to just stop there. But he said, now I want you to walk in a newness of life that's different than your old life. Walk in a newness of life that is different than your old life. Um, when we were living in Southern California, uh, the church that we were a part of did this really cool thing this one Sunday where they gathered a bunch of the leaders there, and then they had us all hold these signs. And they said, hey, I want you guys to write on one side of the sign what your life used to be summed up by, what, what sin used to own you. Write it on that side, and then turn the card over, and then write on the other side what you are defined as uh, or how God sees you now. Right? And so then at a point during, during the service, we all walked up on stage one by one, and we held a sign that said, you know, liar, that said cheater, that said, you know, depression, anxiety, whatever it was. And then we all flipped it over to say, you know what, that was our old self, but this is our new self right now. And it was healed, redeemed, renewed, saved by grace. And so that is what Jesus is offering us when we are baptized into his death. He's saying that that old life does not sum you up anymore. But you, now it's time to walk in a newness of life. Now, Paul's going to go into more detail about what that old versus new uh, life is like. In verse 5, he says, 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. So here Paul's really getting into the old self and the new self. And the first thing that he says here is that there is a union that if you have truly been united in his death, then certainly you will be united in his resurrection. And now here, check this out, is that we are united to both. You have to be united to the death if you want to be united to the resurrection and have and experience a brand new life. You have to be united. A deep union, a deep connection has to take place there. You cannot have one without having the other. Uh, when Jerry was in law school, uh, we were in, in uh, the library at her school one, one day doing work. And... Uh, we were both doing our own schoolwork, and then uh, I noticed that that particular day, she was on social media a lot while we are in her library, right? And so after a certain amount of hours had passed by, and don't get me wrong, she's great. She passed. She passed the bar, right? She, she's awesome. But that day, though, she was slipping, so I had to let her know. And so I said, I was like, babe, you know, just because we're in the library doesn't mean you are learning what you need to know for law school, all right? It's kind of like, you know, the people that want to get that gym membership and get in good shape, but then they don't ever go, or they do go and they sit down the whole time, or say that you want to learn an instrument, so you buy that guitar, you buy that piano, but it just sits there and collects dust. We want the resurrection. We want that new life because it sounds great, but we don't want to die first. We, we, we don't want to conform to the death of Christ first. And so that's the problem. And that's why we never reach that new, that, that, uh, that a new life, that new resurrected life. We never quite reach it because we never truly die to ourselves to begin with. Let's skip to verse 7. He says, for one who has died... For one who has died has been set free from sin. So if we're living a life that's set free from sin, that means that we are living and walking in a new, brand new life. Sin may still be present, but it no longer has a hold in your life anymore. And so that's what we're saying. If we're saying we have died to ourselves, we're saying that that sin is present, right? It doesn't mean that it's just going to vanish and then disappear. We're going to just live a perfect life. But we're saying that sin no longer has a hold of who we are anymore. Even Paul wrote himself, he said that I still deal with this thorn in my flesh. He'll write about it, saying, you know what? He said that, and then he, um, later, Paul will also write, saying, I am a chief of sinners. So Paul's not saying that he's perfect, but he is saying that I am walking now in a newness of life that is different than my old self. Here's some other instances where the New Testament talks about the new self. In Ephesians 4.24, says, and to put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In Colossians 3.10, it says again, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. See, we got to put it on. We have to decide every day that we're going to put on the new self, and we're going to walk in that direction, which is a different direction than our old self. We're going to move now to verses 9 through 11, chapter 6. 
we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is one of my favorite parts because what it's saying is it was once and for all. So guess what? When you do ask Jesus to come into your life and die to your old self, you don't have to go through that process again and again and again. Because it says that Jesus, who has covered us now, we are conforming to his death. And that death was once and for all. And, it, and, and death no longer has dominion over him, just like your sin will no longer have dominion over you. We consider ourselves dead to sin and alive in Christ. Some of us need to remind ourselves that when we're walking, we're going along the day, after we made that decision to follow after Christ, you're like, no, I meant it. I really did. I asked Jesus into my heart, and then I want this new life, want to walk in it, and I truly meant it, but yet I still struggle. What is that about? Why is it still there? I don't get it. Well, you see, there still is a flesh that we deal with as long as we're in this life. Even though we have asked and our, and our old self has, has, has died and we have this new life, we still have this flesh to deal with. And so now the question is, what are we going to do with that flesh? Because here it is. We are going to go in the direction of our old self or our new self depending on how our flesh is influenced. So depending on which direction you want to go, back to your old ways, back to your old hurts, the old sin, or walk in a brand new life that Jesus has for us, depends on what are we going to allow to influence our flesh. And so that means that if we want this new life, well, we can't go where we used to go. We can't act like how we used to act. Right? And so whatever that means for you, because it's different for all of us about who, about who we need to be around, about what we need to do now, it's different for all of us. But I'm saying is so many of us want to hold on to the old life, but yet still try to experience the new life. And it's just not going to happen because this flesh is going to act like whatever we feed it. It's going to act like whatever we feed it. So we have to decide, do you truly want this new life? Because if you duly, uh, truly want this new life, then we have to put to death our old self. And what that means is, God, my life belongs to you. And whatever you want it to look like now, whatever, no conditions, nothing left on the table, but whatever you want it to look like now, it's yours. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, it doesn't matter what you want me to drop, what you want me to add. My life is yours. That is a new life because that life belongs to God. That's saying that my old life, God, is dead. It's gone with. I don't want anything to do with it. I want to go in the other direction. That's a decision that we have to make. That is saying I'm putting on my new self. That I'm not holding on to anything, God. Whatever you want me to hold on to, I'll hold on to it. But whatever you want me to let go, I'll let go of it. Because I know that you're worth it. Because I know that you're worth it. Verse 10 is going to tell us this. It says that, the, that it tells us the, the life we now live, that new life, is not unto ourselves, but we live it unto God. That means that we don't live it unto ourselves. It's not about what's going to please us. It's not about what's going to make us happy, but it's about what's going to please God. 
What's going to make him happy? And that is what I'm going to go after. That's what I'm going to chase after. See, Galatians 5.24, talking about our flesh and what do we do with it. Galatians 5.24 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those that belong to Christ Jesus says, God, my life belongs to you, means we have crucified our flesh and with everything that comes along with it. That means that we are going to be intentional every day and putting on our new self, just like those other scriptures we talked about earlier. We're going to put on our new self every day. Uh, recently, I've been able to go through this book, uh, Today Matters, by, uh, by John Maxwell. And it's a great book, highly recommend it to you guys, book on leadership. And one of the early chapters that really got a hold of me was on attitude, was on attitude. And then what really got to me was because we think that the circumstances dictate our attitude. If my wife treats me right today, then I'm be happy. Or if she doesn't, or if I stub my toe, then I'm going to be angry that day. That's what my attitude is going to be like. But what this book talked about was saying that we own our attitude. We choose what our attitude is going to be like. And in fact, John Maxwell told the story of, you know, his wife is very quiet, reserved. And she spoke at this big women's conference, so he wanted to go support her. And so he sat in the back room, and then she spoke. And then at the very end, there was questions, uh, questions and answers. And one person said, does your husband make you happy? And then he's like, ooh, I wonder what she's going to say about this. All right. And she said, no. He said, I look for the closest exit. I was like, I got to get out of here. He said, no, he doesn't. My happiness is not dictated off of my husband. I choose. I choose what attitude I'm going to have today. And what helped me, because I was like, okay, you know, I mean, we all want to have a good attitude. I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure none of us wake up and say, I just want to be a jerk today, right? We want to have a good attitude, but then life happens. Work happens. Family happens. All drama happens. And so this was one thing that also got my attention about being intentional he would say that I'm going to make a commitment not just to choose to have the right attitude today, but I'm going to choose to make adjustments throughout the day to have the right attitude. And it's the same thing about our old self versus our new self. It's always going to be there. We're not just going to have our minds zapped and forget about all of our old hurts and wounds. They're going to be there. The sin that used to rule our life, it's going to be there. But I'm going to intentionally choose today to put on my new self to say, you know what? Yeah, that's there, but it doesn't rule over me anymore. Because I have Jesus now who says that he died to set us free. And also, you see, that's why to crucify our flesh, to crucify it daily, to live in our new self, that's why it's so important to have a church to go to to have a community to go to. That's why it's so important to read and study our word as much as we can. That's why it's so important to find people that you love and respect and meet with them. Say, can we meet just to talk about life or meet to talk about the word? It's so important to have those things in our life because that is going to help us to crucify our flesh with this evil desires. And that's going to help us to say no to the old and walk in the newness of life. That's why it's so important to have that community, you guys. And you know, the changing from the old to the new, it doesn't all happen right in that moment when we choose to ask Jesus into our heart. It doesn't happen by a snap of the fingers. 
But it's a process. It's a process of every day choosing to say no to the old, or no to the old and yes to the new. We all have ups and downs and failures along the way, but as long as we stay committed to living that new, putting on that new intentionally every day and not going back to the old, then it will come eventually. And that sin that used to have a grip on our life, we're going to look back on it one day and be like, man, I cannot believe where I come from. That used to have a hold on me. I remember we watched this testimony of this popular skater guy. I can't remember his name now. And he told us the, the, the testimony of, you know, when he would go to a liquor store back in the day, he would go to the adult magazine area just by habit, bam, easy. But then he gave his life to Jesus. And then the next time he went in there, all of a sudden he was in there, and then he remembered. And he found himself going back there again. But then he felt it. He's like, oh, gosh, why? This, this is not the same. This... This just hurts me now. He's part of that process. And then he kept on saying yes to Jesus, yes to Jesus, yes to his new self, and then no to the old self. And then finally he says, you know what? I, then finally after months I realized I've entered that same liquor store now, I don't know, 10 or 15 times, and I haven't even thought about that section anymore. And so that's just being part of the process. It's not going to be an overnight experience. All right, don't get me wrong, God can do whatever he wants to do, but more than likely, it's not going to be an overnight experience. What it's going to be is being committed to the process of saying yes to the new. If the worship team can make its way back up here, we're going to be ending here very shortly. Author of The Way of the Cross uh, by uh, John Gregory Mantle wrote this. There is a great difference between realizing on that cross he was crucified for me and on that cross I am crucified with him. The one aspect brings us deliverance from sin's condemnation, the other from sin's power. I'm going to read that one more time. There is a great difference between realizing on that cross he was crucified for me and on that cross I am crucified with him. The one aspect brings us deliverance from sin's condemnation, the other from sin's power. Jesus didn't just die on the cross so that we could feel better about ourselves, so that we could have our sins forgiven. Praise God that we do, so that we can have our sins forgiven and, and then have that be it. That's not why he died on the cross. He died on the cross so that we could have our sins forgiven and then have it not have a hold of our life anymore but to live a brand new life. Once we receive Jesus, this new life will never be what it is meant to be until we realize that we have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. And yes, I do want this new incredible life, just full of freedom and joy, free from depression and anxiety. I want that life, but I'm never going to truly have it unless I conform to the death of Jesus on the cross. And realize that I am crucified with him. That you are crucified with Christ on the cross. But thank God that it doesn't end there. 
He didn't just die and stay in that tomb, but he rose again. He was resurrected, defeating death, which is why no matter what sin is part of your life, no matter how much you say, no, you you just don't understand. This thing has a hold of me. That is not the end. Just as it wasn't the end for Jesus, it is not the end for you. He defeated death so that you can defeat that sin and live that new life. We have died so that we can live. We have died not just so that we can live, but so that we can live victoriously. And the thing is, none of this is by our own means. We, we recognize that first and foremost, this is because Jesus died on the cross for us. This is because he defeated death, rose again on the third day. That is the first reason why. And then what we, and then what we decide to do is, is accept that, believe that. We decide to die to our old self and say, God, my life is yours now. But it doesn't end there. Because I know that some of us are sitting there saying, you don't understand, I've tried. I've tried to walk this new life, but it just has a hold on me. I feel like I can't do it. I know that I'm going to fail. And guess what? You're right. You are going to fail. I am going to fail. We are all going to fail. But check this out. It doesn't end there. God loves us so much. He says that I'm going to give you help to live that new life. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, it says, And I will give you a new heart, and I will give you a new spirit. I will put it within you, and I will remove the heart of stone that's in your heart and give you a heart of flesh. God says, I will do it. I will take out, just say yes. Just say yes to walk in that new and walk away from that old, and I will do it. I will put the spirit within you. I will take, I, I will take out that heart of stone and put in that heart of flesh. He does it. You're not on your own. His spirit will give you the strength to make the right decisions. Your strength to get up even if you do fail and keep on going. I want to end here. In regards from our old self to our new self, again, going back to our original uh, passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 6, Paul writes this in Romans 6, 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. You see, this is why it is all possible. If it was under the law, yeah, We fail 100% of the time. But here Paul says, because you belong to him, because you have crucified yourself, and now you're walking in the new, it's not about the law anymore. You are under his grace. That means no matter how many times you fail, you can get back up again, brush it off, and keep on walking that new life. And that sin no longer has power over you. I mean, can you believe it? How much God loves us that not only would he choose to send his son to die for us, not only so that we can have our sins forgiven and have all of our past sins, past hurt, past pains, past shames and guilt forgiven, washed away with. It doesn't stop there. He says, I'm going to put my spirit within you, give you help along the way. It doesn't stop there. He says, along that way, I know you're still going to fail. I'm going to give you my grace. So that, no, so, so that no matter how many times you fail, we can get up and keep on going and say no to the old and yes to the new. Thank you, God. Yeah. 
And see, my problem wasn't so much that I wanted this resurrection life. I did want that. I did want a new life. But my problem, and maybe some of you can relate, was that I couldn't get over my old life. I felt like, God, I don't deserve a new life because of what I've done. And so I had depression, anxiety, suicide, rule over my life. Could not get over what I had done. Till finally I came to grips that, that God was finally saying that, Mikey, it's not about you obeying the law. It's about my grace is sufficient for you despite of all your past sins. And then when you come to grips with that, it was like scales just fell off of my eyes. And I was like, wow, God, now not only did I have this new life, but I desire to live it. Because like, wow, God, no matter, no matter what I did in the past, you're saying that your grace is better than it. You're saying that your grace covers all of it. And so do I still fail and sin? Yes, I do. But that desire to want that new life, to crave that new life, it's all about what are you chasing after? That's what, that's what it's all about. I know that we all have careers, we have families, we all want a new house or a house, and we all chase after all this, but what are we chasing after? If you choose to chase after God, His grace is gonna cover you, His grace is gonna give you strength to carry on, and it's gonna be worth it in the end. It's going to be worth in the end. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much, Lord, that everybody in here, that we could all make the decision today that my old self is going to be crucified with you on the cross, and it is going to be dead so that I can live a new life now, a life that's going to honor you, a life that's going to chase after you, even if I fail, even if I fall, Lord God. I know your grace is going to cover me, that your grace is sufficient for me. And God, I ask right now, God, that we will be encouraged. I pray for anyone that needs to make that decision, the first decision to have our old self die, to ask you into our hearts, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that we will make that decision knowing that you're going to put your spirit within us and we're going to have help along the way and that, and that you're going to give us grace to keep on going, even if we fail, to keep on going. And it's going to be worth it. I just want us all just to enter in a time of worship right now for a few minutes. And no matter where you're at, if you're sitting there and then we need to make that first decision to ask Jesus to come into our life, then I pray that we'll make that decision today together. Or maybe you're sitting there saying that I made that decision, but my old, but I haven't truly died to my old, to my old self. I've been wanting to live this new life, but I haven't truly died to my old self yet. And I pray that today is going to be a day where we make that commitment. And all it is is being intentional. Intentional. Every day I'm going to die to the old and live for the new. So let's go ahead and enter a time of worship. And let's just think about what we need to do. And then let's make that decision together. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I've never made that decision to follow after Christ, ask him into my heart to be the Lord and Savior of my life. All it is is scripture tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died and rose again on the third day, then you shall be saved. And so right now, I just want to offer you, offer you that opportunity that right where you're at, all it is is just confessing and saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God. 
I believe that you did down the cross for me and that you did rise again on the third day. And doesn't stop there. To crucify our old self, we're saying that, and God, I ask you to, to, to help me to overcome my past sin and I repent from my sins. God, I repent from my past sins, saying that I don't want to live that life anymore. I don't have anything to do with it, but I want to walk in this new life that you have for me. And, and if you're sitting here this morning saying that I want to just rededicate it, to say that I am going to be intentional about saying yes to the new and no to the old, and I'm going to wake up every day and choose to put on my new self. And then during the day when, when something comes against me, I'm going to make an adjustment to put on my new self again. And guess what? You're not alone. Jesus says, I'm going to put my spirit within you, take out that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then you have a body, you have a church that's going to be here. You have a living word that we can read. So let's do this together. Let's not be a lone wolf, but let's do this together. Let's meet together. Let's pray together. And we're a part of one church together. So God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you so much, Lord God, that not only do you forgive us of our sins, of all our past hurts and wounds, and offer us this brand new life, but you give us a spirit to give us the strength to make it all possible. And then on top of all that, you give us your grace to say no matter how many times you mess up, just choose to get back up and keep chasing after me. And, on, and before you know it, that old self is going to be old. It's going to have no reign, no dominion over you. And you're going to be walking, living, breathing that new life, a new creation. And so, God, I just declare that over everyone here today. I pray, to God, that we will walk out of this place choosing to put on that new self and to know that we're not alone, that we have each other, that we have your spirit, and we have your grace to carry us through. And we thank you for that. We praise you for that, Lord God. And I just thank you for everyone here. I just ask that you bless them today. Bless them with a great Sunday. Bless them with a great week. Watch over them. Protect them as they go along their way. And we just thank you for what you're doing. And all this is to your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, 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 you guys. Have a blessed Sunday. Can't wait to spend the rest of the month here with you guys. And we'll see what's going to happen after that. Praise God. All right.